0: And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he'd seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said... Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Lord, as we stand, we ask that you would come and speak to us through this incredible moment in the life of your son. Amen. Merry Christmas. Or as my wife would say, Happy Christmas, which, uh, you know, is lovely to think, isn't it? That would be happy. And that it would be happy not because informed by necessarily the events of yesterday, or I was certainly happy after a Christmas Eve pageant because it was just glorious in every way. Um, uh, especially when the altar started to rock back and forth for the presence of the shepherds. Um, I was like, this will be exciting. Um, but I was very happy. But the happiness really is to do more with what God has done for us. And certainly, um, this passage is one that informs and, and brings great Great hope. So, if you have your bulletins open on uh, page seven and eight, we're just going to make a few observations here and uh, and go on. Um, it's no surprise we sing a lot at Christmas, as I have admitted before and confessed before the Lord. I start to sing Christmas carols at Halloween, just because I just I'm just ready, right? I'm just ready, and we sing a lot of songs at Christmas. And this is one of my favorites. This really leapt out at me on Friday uh, night as we sang, O Holy Night. And you know, in the narrative centuries, in the biblical narrative centuries of people have been hoping and waiting. And it's all come to an end in Israel where the, and, and in O Holy Night we sang, long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees, oh hear the angel voices, oh night divine, oh night when Christ was born. The weariness of the world um, at the time of the birth of Jesus was felt across every section of culture, and especially in the religious establishment because they'd gone through a prolonged period where there'd been no voice from the prophets. There'd been 600 years where no one had really, the Spirit of God had not spoken and gave an unction to a prophet. And then around the birth of Jesus, we have all of this Holy Spirit activity And it really leads to four songs in the Christmas narrative. The first one is Mary's song, which we looked at a week ago. The second is Zechariah's song. Uh, The angels sing to the shepherds. And then we have Simeon's song. And if you look with me in the passage, we can see how this song is inspired. And so in verse 25, bottom of page 7, in your bulletin, we read that now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And here's the surprise, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. The Holy Spirit had been upon certain people for certain times for certain tasks <laughs> and here we have what is thought to be an, an aged man and the big surprise here is that the elderly are not discounted from the work of the Spirit it's not a surprise to us because we all know stories right of of, of people who are old in years who are doing great things to the point where when we used to do uh, prison alpha, where we go into the local prison in London in our parish, um, I would, on the first day, we would do this introduction of the Christian faith and I'd just get them, if you have a grandparent who's alive, raise your hand. You know, a lot of them would raise their hands. I said, well, and if that grandparent is praying for you, just keep it up and all the hands would be up. And so you might think that you've come to the end of things, but you've gotta realize if your grandmother for most of them, that's who it was, is praying that God would get a hold of you, your grandmother and the Lord have got you right where they want you. So you can, you know, pray a prayer now or we can wait to the end of 10 weeks. And sure enough, everyone who had their hand up um, eventually came to faith. And I would say, looking back on my life and my grandmother who lived with us at the end of her life till about 104, um, a lot of... I tell this to my parents, and I think it's acknowledged that her prayers for me are a lot of the big reasons why I'm here doing what I'm doing. But it was not thought of to be a possibility at the time of the writing of this text. And it's a great surprise, and it's a great fulfillment of the prophecy that what would happen when Messiah would come is that there'd be a great outpouring of the Spirit of God, and that the hearts who'd gotten heart of the people who returned to flesh and that the Holy Spirit would no longer be on the elite but would be on everyone, especially those for whom society thought no longer had anything to contribute, the young, the old, women, and men. And so we see this great equalizing movement where every, all of a sudden the available are filled and moved with the Spirit of God. And so we see here that he was righteous and devout, which is really code for he ordered his life so that in every decision, his relationship with God came first. And then we see that he was fit, the Holy Spirit was upon him. And not just that, but verse 26, the Holy Spirit had, re- had been revealed, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he'd seen the Lord's Christ. That's quite something, isn't it? To have that revealed to you. I'd love to know more. <laughs> Tell us what was that like. But we don't have it, except that he knew that a promise had been made to him by God that he would see The deliverer we can think this to have been a mystical or mysterious thing but the reality is that he was no stranger to God's Word in verse 30 further along it tells us mine eyes have seen your salvation that you've prepared in the presence of all peoples and it's he's lifted a verse from the Old Testament So he knew something of what God's plan of salvation is. And it's incredible, isn't it? In my line of work, as you would expect, people come and say, I'd like to know God. And I said, great. There's no shortcut. It's about spending time day after day in his word. And so he's shaped by the word of the Lord. And then in verse 27, he came in the spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. Now the first time he would ever have, this was not the first time that Jesus had come into the temple, it's thought. It's not the first, but suddenly he sees Jesus as if the first time. And before that suddenly came, Days of praying and contemplating and the scriptures, studying the scriptures, reflecting on the scriptures, and being involved in the worship and the ministry of the temple. That was Simeon's life. And so the sudden movement of the spirit invaded a normal pattern of life that had a lot to work with. If you sit a painter down and give them one color and say, paint the rainbow, it's difficult. But if a painter has every color in front of them, not only can they use what's in front of them, but they can make new colors and create a vivid, captivating image. And that was the effect of Simeon's pattern, the pattern of his life. He knew the scriptures and he worshiped regularly. And so he burst into song. It's a song that's sung uh, an evening prayer. It's called the Nunc Dimittis, and uh, it goes in verse twenty-nine. Now, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For mine eyes have seen your salvation <clears throat> that you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. This child, in verse 34, carries on a bit more, which you don't have in your bulletin. It says this, this child is destined to cause. So he sings and then he prophesies. He gives it all that he has, and I love it. He says, the child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that we've spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed And then he turns to Mary, and he says, and a sword will pierce your soul too. So what does this song mean? What does it mean? What's he getting about? What's he praying? What's he prophesying? Well, you and I, if you've done any history, um, are accustomed to hearing about the rise and fall. We've heard of the rise and fall of the Roman Empire. Uh, The History Channel, for some reason, this time of year, is always showing episodes of the rise and fall of the Third Reich. Um, I guess people watch it. And recently, we've even come across podcasts that talk about the rise and fall of a church. But what is prophesied here is that not that Jesus will cause the rise and fall, but he'll cause the movement of the kingdom, which is the falling of, and then the rising, the falling, and then the rising. To fall, in the biblical term, refers to the judgment of the haughty and the arrogant. And so Jesus, in his own words, in his ministry, says, I did not come for those who are well, I came for the sick. And he came that the punishment that I deserve, I'll talk about myself, that though he led a perfect life, and though he was born to die, which is part of this message, that he died in my place, which means that I have gone through by accepting him as my savior, because I need saving. I needed saving back then, I needed saving every day, and one day that saving work will be completed. He has enabled, he has taken upon himself the judgment that was reserved for me. So that means that my trajectory of my life began with a falling. And then came the rising. And what does it mean by the rising? But it, re- it refers to the language of Isaiah which speaks of The salvation of the humble and the meek we've all met people who know the answers to everything I'm amazed by these people I'm amazed by their confidence they seem to know exactly what I need to do in order for such whatever it is that needs to happen I always and I'll turn to Rachel said that confidence is just so remarkable you know, and uh, most stunningly is in, in London, we had Nigerian friends and, and the men had absolutely every confidence to come to me and said, David, you know what your problem is? I said, no, thinking, come tell me. Maybe he had a dream or a prophetic word. What is my problem? He said, it's your fashion. <laughs> you don't wear enough colors. And I said, yes, and I'll live with that problem the rest of my life, but you go. Jesus causes the falling and the rising. Our world, our culture, celebrates the rise of people. And then once they've risen, they they think something happens. Either the culture turns, usually sin gets in the way, and they fall. And there's a celebrating of the falling. But when we do it Jesus' way, when we fall first and then rise, what that bakes into the system is this sense of humility paired with accountability. Humility paired with accountability, the humble and the meek. Why do the meek keep their power on reserve? The best example of meekness was at Half Price Books on Christmas Eve when for some reason, known only to God, a bright yellow Lamborghini drove five miles an hour through the parking lot of Half Price Books, worried probably about the speed bumps and not wanting to destroy the vehicle. All of that power, all of that speed, going five miles an hour. That's meekness. (laughs) And only in Dallas would that illustration work because you've all seen that car. And that's the idea, is that I acknowledge that, yes, I am powerful. Yes, I could use all of my strength, all of my words to make my way work. But humbly, I recognize that just maybe I don't have all the answers. And as I follow the leading of Jesus, I use all of that instead of furthering my goal to furthering his goals. To serve instead of being served. And to do it not on my own, but in community where there actually is accountability, where people actually say, hey, I think you've overstepped. You can't say that. You need to apologize. That's the picture of Christian community. That's the picture of the church. Jesus has come and for those who have eyes to see him and hearts that will respond to him, there is a humbling he invites us into that is the making of us. And then Simeon goes on, he says, and he will be a sign that will reveal the hearts of many. A sign that will reveal the hearts of many, which means that he will speak, and all of a sudden what is in the hearts of those who hear him will suddenly be revealed. And then the sword is a foreshadowing of the cross that this baby has actually been born to die. And so what would it look like for you to have a new song in your heart in 2022? What would it look like Well, this is where Simeon is such an example. It doesn't matter what your qualifications are, doesn't matter your pedigree, doesn't matter how long you've spent in church, there is an invitation to you to be like Simeon, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is the question that I ask my Presbyterian friends, which is, tell me, how can you have more when you already have everything in Christ? Because the Scriptures tell a story for us to prepare us for life that speak of a more that isn't just up here, but is also here. And that as we live it out, we see God do things. What would it look like for you and for me, for this church, to be overflowing? Well, it would mean to look ahead and to plan where and when we will invest in a relationship with God. So you've heard us say it before, in January on the 21st, we are restarting our worship nights. We're not doing it alone, we're going to do it in conjunction with other churches in the city, but we're going to host it here at Redeemer. It will be an evening of informal worship and prayer and a wonderful way to come and to plan to meet with Him. Church really, for it to work, requires us to do two things. To receive as much as you can. What is it you need to receive? Prayer, encouragement, support, community. Receive as much as you can. And do that before you start to think of the other equation, which is to give as much as you can. And when we say give as much as we can, we mean, not just money, I think in Dallas money is the easy thing for people to give, but it's of your time and of your effort. It's to be present. And so in a couple of weeks we're gonna be talking about these community groups we've relaunched, call them connect groups, and is this something that you could give your time to? I know some of you are in them already, but this is also a way to receive as much as you can. And then, What would it look like to position yourself so that the Holy Spirit will begin to prompt you? Maybe not so you come into church, begin to sing and prophesy over a child. I mean, as great as that would be. Boys, that would wake somebody up before they had coffee at nine in the morning, just over there by the cones. Law, you know. I could see some of you doing it in my mind, and sometimes when I can't sleep, I play it out. Um, The Lord has designed every one of us and given us hearts and interests so that we have these pursuits that as we pursue them we would meet him in them and what enables us to discover more of the Lord is by doing two things taking his word into our hearts and into our minds on a regular basis and worshiping together I went through a particularly dry period in Bible reading and um, and so I had a friend in the congregation, I said, hey, let's commit to read the scriptures together, not in person, but we'll just go through this reading plan together, and then once you've done, you're finished, just text me your thoughts. And of course, he was an early riser, and from somewhere this competitive spirit came up, so I wanted to be the first to text, and then he wanted to do the same, and it just kind of got out of hand and, didn't, and worked wonderfully for the reading. But Anyway, we became very competitive, um, but no prize was given, so there we are. Uh, and then the third thing is is that, as we pursue these interests, God has given us these interests, these hobbies, these things that excite us so that in the pursuit of them, He would meet us in them. To be moved by the spirit in 2022 might require you to take up a hobby. I took up a hobby when I arrived here and I never thought it would lead to ministry opportunity like I found. I never thought I would have seven smokers in my backyard, neither did my wife, but there we are. There's something about it that when I pursue this, I meet God in it. What are your hobbies? What are your interests? Is this the year where you take up something new? Because when the Lord seeks to bless us, he seeks to bless the things that are in our hands. And if we have nothing in our hands, he has to work a little harder. But some of you have things in your hands, and you wonder, is this really spiritual or not? And the truth is, if you offer it to him, he will come in. And then all of a sudden, as you do this hobby, this interest, it will be as if something of heaven is on it. And lives will be changed, and you will meet him in it. the first step as I close in all of this to follow Simeon's example is to humble ourselves before the Lord is to offer him our hearts so that perhaps today for the hundredth time or perhaps for the first we fall in order that we might rise where we just recognize that we don't have all the answers we recognize we need saving we recognize that we need help we don't have it all figured out but there is one who does, and to a weary world, he has not only brought hope, but hope has been made flesh, and he's given us a way through so that we don't just survive these next two weeks, this next year, but we live and thrive through the midst of it. Why don't we stand and pray? Lord, thank you for the gift you've given us in your Son. Thank you for the way that you have led your people to fall in order that they might rise, to receive from you before we even think of what we might give in return. And so even now, Lord, we ask that by your Spirit you would move amongst us that you'd move in our hearts that we might receive from you. And so friends, even quietly in your heart, if there is an area of need, just quietly offer it to him. If there's an area you know you need to put an end to in your life, maybe it's anger, maybe it's, I don't know, take take your pick. Lord, offer it to the Lord. Lord Jesus, we long to receive from you that we might be the humble and meek who you partner with to see change in our lives, to see change in our community and to partner with you what you're seeking to do here in East Dallas. So come, Holy Spirit. Would you well up within us? Would you come upon us? In Christ's name we pray. Amen.